Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, everyone. Uh, Ralph Velasco here with the Traveling Image Makers podcast. Welcome to the show. This is a special episode where Ugo and I are interviewing the winners of uh, this bi-monthly photography contest. And I have Kate Siobhan Mulligan with me, coming to me from the west western part of Canada. Hi there. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, thanks. Very good. Very good. So, con- number one, congratulations on your winning image. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's one of my favorites for sure. Great. So, why don't you, uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background as a photographer and what you do. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, yeah, living out in British Columbia, Canada, born and raised, and I've been doing photography full-time since about 2012. And uh, what I do is a whole lot of different freelance I'm, but the main way I get to travel and take photos is I run a uh, humanitarian photography tour company called The Giving Lens, and we do photo tours all over the world where we partner with a nonprofit. Um, and that's just been how I've been able to travel and take a lot of travel images as I go and teach travel photography, which, you know, teaching obviously um, helps you learn and solidify all the concepts yourself. So just over and over again, when I travel, um, able to grow and try new things and take different images. Um, aside from that, I work for some travel magazines and I work right here at home in Victoria, um, families, weddings, and any, any kind of portrait home or away. I'm a portrait girl. (laughs) Okay, great, great. So uh, tell us about your, your winning photo. What sure. Um, and, uh, how, did it, how did it come about? Yeah, it was, I was in India, and this is actually a number of years ago. I think it was 2013, I think. It might have been 2014, but I think it was 2013. Um, so I'd actually only been doing photography, not for very long at that point, not... Um, in a beyond a hobbyist sense anyway. And I was in uh, leading the team in India. This was after the trip. I went to a town called Pushkar and for, they have a big camel um, festival every year. And I just got up one day. I couldn't sleep. So I went out at about five thirty in the morning and the sky was um, across from a chai stand and reading his morning paper. Um, it was a great moment in that, um, you know, getting out that early, the streets are quieter, um, especially for this festival, if you know of it. It's super busy and very, very popular with photographers. I'd say too popular with photographers, actually. And um, so getting any kind of quiet scenes was actually difficult. It was more of like a chaotic atmosphere, um, which is fun in a different way. But going out early and finding this guy reading his paper um, just up against the Coca-Cola sign and his, um, his head wrap also being colorful. And for me, one of the, one of the big things I teach in travel photography is looking for those cultural clues. 
so uh, to help place your viewer somewhere in the world. So the fact that the newspaper had big um, uh, Hindi font, I thought, oh, and his head wrap and a bit of his demeanor. I mean, it could be anywhere, um, maybe in South Asia, but you see the language on the newspaper and you can hedge your bets. It's probably India. And then the Coca-Cola, I thought was just a great um, example of contrast, kind of, you know, when you contrast elements in a frame, old and new, um, or just, I don't know, this old kind of guru looking guy up against the Coca-Cola side. I just thought it was great. It was just a good contrast for the shot. Yeah, and I love the uh, the extra layer that the Coca Cola sign adds to the shot, and certainly that contrast. Yeah. Uh, sort of that the Western world, boom, right in your face. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and I did I I did notice the the uh, Hindi writing on the newspaper really gives you that sense of place. Yeah. And uh, really nice use of the uh, rule of thirds, and mm-hmm. uh, both both in having the gentleman off to one side on that left vertical horizon, but also the about two-thirds red and two-thirds white going horizontally with the Coca-Cola. So mm-hmm. nice straight yeah. lines with the, uh, the you know, the shutter door there. So mm. I'm always looking for those always uh, difficult. horizons. <laughs> What's that? It's difficult when you're traveling. Doors aren't always straight. Lines are rarely straight <laughs> in right. developing countries anyway. Things yeah. are kind of hodgepodge together sure, a little sure. more. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very nice image. I'll, I'll actually be in Pushkar in about ten days, I think. Oh no way! That's fantastic. Yeah. So you're going to the festival. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, I uh, I found it the opposite. I did not. Uh, I barely saw any other photographers there. Now we concentrated mostly on the horse section. So, oh yeah, that's so different. That is. Uh, you know, there's a lot less people are are going over there because it's known for the camels. But uh, we concentrated quite a bit on the horses, and so cool. very few, if any, photographers there. Uh, nice. We will be spending more choice. time with the camels this year because uh, that's one of those classic, iconic situations to get into. Yeah, even though- totally. It was great. You know, I mean, I went for the same reason any photographer would go, and it wasn't that there was many. Perhaps for me, it was that where I was, there was a lot of um, lurkers. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people with big beige lenses just kind of storming through the place. Actually, not even a lot. It's more maybe their presence was just so noticeable as they went through. Um, if you go and you go out early, and I think <clears throat> if you talk to the people, like that's a huge difference from just some people kind of running the gamut and just snapping and not asking or showing the shots but if you actually like i managed to sit down with the guys out in the fields with their camels and they made me their some kind of bread over the fire and they shared their chai and they liked my tattoos i think i ended up drawing on a bunch of them because then they wanted tattoos it was like they're real people out there with their camels coming to a real festival it's not just um a bunch of objects maybe is how i saw some people approaching Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it was great yeah, that that makes sense. Uh, that's funny. So now, are you, are you working with uh, local uh, fixers and translators and things like that to communicate with the people? Um, if this was part of a tour, yes. For me, no. I was just on my own. I was just kicking around with a friend um, after a long after running a ten day workshop that was pretty exhausting. So this was just trying to relax. I'm. 
and uh, and just make a couple cool shots as I went, um, which definitely going out in the morning is the best way to do that. Mid- midday definitely is full of tons of people. Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of getting out early, that's for sure, beating the mm-hmm. crowds and the heat of the day and every, yeah. just about every other reason. Yeah. For sure. That's great. Um, Translators are great if you're trying to meet people, for sure. You can get to know a bit of their story. Uh, For me, on that trip, just a lot of gesturing. (laughs) (laughs) International language, right? Yeah. Taking yourself not too seriously can get you a long way with travel photos. Doing a lot of smiling, huh? Yeah. Smiling, shrugging. I don't know. (laughs) Just taking it lightly. When you come in, like, I'm a photojournalist. And then people freeze up anyway, because like the atmosphere around you is really intense. But if you can take it easy, people around you pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I'm not a big gear guy, but what are you shooting with, uh, especially these days? Uh, this is what five years ago, or shooting with yeah, or what? Yeah, four or five years ago, I was all Canon, um, and no total switch. I've completely switched over to the Sony system. I have the A6000. Is a uh, as my small little guy, which I've actually found has opened up a lot of opportunities when I travel because it is less in your face, even with the simple um, kind of more novice tier lenses, um, especially in some places like uh, Morocco, I found very closed off um, in some senses, at least for me, for making people photos. So having small gear has opened a lot of doors for sure. Um, and then I have the A7R2. <clears throat> And my go-to lens right now would be the 35, 1.4 for sure, um, and maybe the 85. So I'm definitely into my prime lenses right now. I'm, and I love the Sony system. I don't think I would – I love the mirrorless. I love uh, when you look through the viewfinder, you know, it's electronic preview, so I can adjust all my settings, see my exposure, preview slightly the aperture – all before I take the shot. I mean, I can switch it to manual and everything that's in focus gets outlined in red, make sure um, what's super sharp is the part of the frame I want. You can have your highlights blinking and things like that. So the way I'm taking less photos, but they're more on point than before um, with with taking the shot and checking and taking it and checking and adjusting. Um, So it's kind of like all the upfront work now I think is super cool with Sony and the Wi-Fi to the phone and just some of those perks I'm really really loving are you doing all that in uh you know just in a blink of an eye because it sure seems like a lot of steps that maybe you could could be missing some fast moving things but Mm -hmm. you're you're getting very good at it and quick with it (laughs) I wouldn't I I I would rarely do all those things for for one photo maybe for a landscape when your subject's not moving. I mentioned I'm a portrait girl. Um, So definitely the fact that I can preview the exposure is huge for getting someone's skin just right. Um, uh, Exposing for different skin tones while you travel, um, they can change dramatically in different hard light situations. Um, So being able to use my exposure lock button, uh, like I'll shoot an aperture and then I'll, I'll essentially check the exposures kind of around the frame until their skin looks right really quickly, just like in, on their face, maybe on their shirt or something, kind of bounce around till, um the exposure preview looks great, and then I'll start there shooting. Um, 
And then for focus, if I'm, so that say the 85 lens, that's 1.4. I'm like, that's a, that is a sliver of focus. So uh, there's a little button on the back of the Sony I can flick on and it goes to manual and I can see in red, their eyes are sharp, their eyelashes are sharp, um, things like that. Or if I'm further back, just that their eyeline is what's getting that 1.4 depth of field. Um, Cause otherwise like it, it is so easy, even with heaps of experience to get it soft in front or behind your subject. Um, but I do love being able to shoot at 1.4 or 2 or 2.5 with that lens, uh, even though it's great at 4 and 5.6 and, and the upper ones too. Um, that like ethereal kind of feeling, it's it's awesome. But it's finicky, so <laughs> I definitely use the manual focus preview with my low apertures. Great. Um, okay, so why don't you just briefly tell us about the Giving Lens and, and what that, that project is all about. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's a passion project. I started it up with Colby Brown, Colby Brown Photography, and uh, or I should say he started it or he founded it and I came on board and helped kind of breathe life in uh, again about five years ago, about 2012. And um, what we do is we run on the on the outside. If you saw us in the field, it looks like a totally normal travel photography workshop tour. Uh, We take anywhere from six to ten people to a country and what you would get is a tour that's catered to photographers. So that's not new. Um, meaning we'll shoot at sunrise and sunset. We try to pick great subjects, good light. We have tours and fixers and translators. Um, we research, you know, great places to go and the best things to photograph and things like that. Um, and then what is different about us is we'll spend usually at the beginning of the trip, two to three days working with a nonprofit Um, what we do with them is kind of twofold. We will document their work and the issues around, you know, why they even exist, whether it's they're working in education or, or water or, um, uh, you know, orphanages or taking in kids that don't have homes. I am, what else have we done? A lot of youth empowerment programs. So just keeping kids in school, um, things like that. We find a partner where photography, um, is well so sorry we'll document their issues around that so like visiting a school or the centers they run and then we will teach photography to that community at least some of it like say 10 to 20 kids we bring donated cameras we do really simple workshops but um it's a lot of fun and what the kids get out of it is a lot of like self-empowerment and um feeling you know original and they have a unique way of seeing the world um, just the fun of instant results shooting with a camera for a lot of kids around the world, that instant stuff, um, they don't get it, that instant gratification of taking a photo and seeing it right away. Um, and from there in some of our countries where we've returned, we do things like help them um, set up longstanding programs where they can do this year-round with the kids because it is a great way to engage youths um, especially between like eight and 18 um, for self-expression and exploring. And in a lot of these countries, a very real skill that is related to tourism. You could be a guide or a host that can also take pictures of your clients. That's definitely a growing fad in the travel industry right now. Um, after the trip, we share our profits with the NGO. So we split them up and make a big cash donation. So um, when you do tour 
through us, you know that uh, a bunch of the funds you're paying up front, aside from real costs in country, is going back to the nonprofit for continuing support. Because we know photography is important and we love it. And it's amazing to go into a country and feel like your photography had meaning and watch it have meaning for someone in that community. Um, all that is huge and special and we love it. And it's addictive. And we have people that come back trip after trip. But a cash donation is like the most useful thing to a nonprofit in another country for very real concrete needs that they have to, to stay afloat and move forward. Great. And how many of these trips are you doing every year? Um, between six and 10. Okay. Yeah. Great. And so where can people find out more information about them? That's thegivinglens.com. And we're on Facebook and Instagram too. And um, yeah. But it's it's a really cool project, and every time people join the trip, we get this kind of, like, this is exactly what I was looking for, like, light bulb moment over their head. It's a really great combination of a bunch of different things, um, you know, passion for taking photos, passion for travel, but that kind of lingering feeling of, I need this to have some meaning to it. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Well, that's great. Well, thanks again for being on the show and congratulations on the winning image. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening and uh, please be sure that you enter your images for the next contest. Uh, There's been some really great competition, so show us your best stuff. All right. Now let's get out and shoot. All right. We have another winner of our uh, contest at the Traveling Image Makers Corner group on Facebook. Uh, we have this contest that runs every two months. And for the months of August and September, we invited uh, members of the group to submit their best photos. And then we picked a couple of winners. So Ralph is interviewing uh, Kate Siobhan Mulligan. And I'm interviewing Nenad, Nenad Spasojevic. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Nenad. Yeah, you do, actually. Perfect. Good. How are you? So far, so good. I'm enjoying the the beautiful day in Chicago. Um, I was out a little little bit this morning just to uh, catch uh, sunset here because I had a a big bust yesterday uh, on my trip to uh, catch the fall color. So that wasn't really, that didn't end up very well. Um, So I get back to Chicago. to shoot something different. Uh, why? Why? There was no color or other problems? If you want to. Yes. Hey, hey, this was, yeah, this was the problem. I, I, um, there's this full color um, report uh, that's going on online that I'm watching pretty closely. So there was uh, probably like a report of 75% of color, full color going on. So uh, to make to, to be sure, I called uh, their visitor center and um, just to confirm that um, the area is pretty good. I booked the hotel and everything. Um, and yesterday I woke up at 4 a.m. I just drove five and a half hours. And when I got there, nothing. <laughs> I was like, literally, literally one tree was yellow, one was red, everything else was green. And I got so mad that I didn't even check in my hotel. I sit in, sat in the car, I canceled the room, and I d- drove uh, back for another five and a half, half hours. I get back in last night afternoon. And um, I'm just going to wait uh, another week or so um, 
to <laughs> to actually do something this season. That, that sucks. I mean, uh, the, the people who do those reports, where they to get the information from? If it's, uh, do you know? I, I'm not sure. Like, I really, I'm not sure because pretty a lot of people um, they depend on those reports. They they told me they're pretty accurate, but um, what drive me crazy? What drove me crazy is actually the 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 me calling the center and they confirming that everything is okay, and I'm arriving there and nothing was <laughs> happening yeah. too bad so it was pretty annoying yeah yeah maybe ne maybe next week or in a couple of weeks you'll get something yeah, yeah. Well, what area is that um since i live in chicago um the fall col color is um on uh, further north in mm. wisconsin um but there was too much of a drive, probably like seven hours. So I, I wanted to do something a little closer. I thought maybe five and a half, five and a half, half hours, five hours will be, I'll be there on the border. But uh, I guess it's it's uh, the color is late this um, this season, so everything is a little uh, later. So I guess that's that's where I made a mistake. But it's fine. Yeah. Okay. We'll do another try next week, and we'll see what happens. You can always try again, right? So let, let's talk a, a bit about more uh, happier things. Uh, first of all, I would like you to introduce yourself to to our audience. Who is Nena Despazojevic, and what uh, what does what kind of role does photography uh, play in your life, so to speak? Well, photography was always a. Uh, uh, um a diffuser in my life, I, um, just uh, just a way to relax from uh, um, everyday stress. Um, it started like uh, like that uh, maybe four years ago, um, and it still is. Um, I keep going uh, still um, as a, as a, um, how you say, not professional, amateur. Not, yeah, like an amateur and. Um, I do make money aside from uh, from time to time, but it's still not my main uh, main chunk of income. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with your work on Facebook because you, you post frequently online, especially in our group. And um, you do a lot of cityscapes. I've seen a lot of photos of uh, of Chicago, especially beautiful and night shots or blue hour shots. Is that your favorite type of photography? Would you say? Yes, yes, yes. I moved to Chicago maybe a year and a half ago, and um, uh, the beginning was just uh, getting used to the living in a bigger city. Um, and now, when I know literally all the corners, I just I'm just enjoying, you know, late uh, uh, late uh, shooting uh, with my wife because she also do, does photography. So we just uh, have. Um, time off to relax and you know yeah. take some shots explore and you you said you moved to chicago you're not originally from chicago you're not originally from the u.s right you're yeah. from another country can you maybe tell us about uh, where you're from yeah yeah i'm from serbia um for anybody who doesn't know uh, you are from italy so yeah. you know where serbia is but uh, it's just the balkanian pen peninsula and um I came here for like seven years ago, maybe more, eight, um, stayed here and uh, I'm enjoying it so far. 
Uh, good. And but you went, recently went back to Serbia. I saw again your photos online. You took a trip to your homeland, uh, visiting there. Maybe yes. I don't know relatives, maybe or was it a holiday? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was um, um, a trip after five years. Um, some things were happening in my life. Um, so I wasn't able to actually visit my, my family and friends. And, and now finally this year, um, everything came to the right place. So um, me and my wife, we, we venture out, we traveled um, around the area. Um, it was pretty, pretty exciting to be back. And um, interesting part is the last time I was in Serbia, I wasn't into photography. I was just like, uh, you know, visiting as an... <laughs> A normal tourist, but now it's completely different. I got to experience my country through a totally different set of eyes. Um, and it was really, um, really, really uh, good experience. What part of, uh, of Serbia or what uh, subject in Serbia uh, do you prefer? I mean, there's a natural landscape. I know there are some beautiful natural landscapes there, mountains and so on, and rivers. Or is it the cities or the people? What's, what do you like to photograph most? Um, nature. Um, I took my time just to spend as much um, as I can in nature, surrounded nature, hiking. A um, couple of friends were always there with me. Um, so it was just landscape, landscape, landscape. Because I live in a very, very nice area where... Um, there's a couple of lakes around me, a lot of, a uh, uh, couple of uh, mountains. Um, there's uh, maybe four hour drive is the actual uh, Montenegro coast. So I got to go and, you know, drive around uh, everywhere, literally just capture um, the best I could, uh, everything that surrounds me. How often do you pick up the camera? I mean, when you, I guess you have a, full-time job and then photography as you said is a, your part-time job or your passion how often do you have a chance to, to go out with the camera in practice I actually carry the camera with me most of the time it's never know when something will come up um, but at least two days of the week uh, just um, shooting mornings uh, then rest and shooting evenings so at least two days a week, um, I do uh, photography with my wife. It's uh, I think it's good to have a photographer wife because then they will, you would yeah. share the same passion. And so it's <laughs> when you go out, you you both probably have the same idea to go photograph something beautiful instead of uh, somebody wanting one of the two wanting to go uh, shopping and the other one to a football match or to the cinema and so on so and it probably uh, helps it probably helps i think all right so no, i'd like to it's, it's good. yeah i would like to talk about uh, the the winning image that you submitted to to our contest uh, by the way you for people who want to take part in the contest as i said it's uh, we do it every two months now and uh, it's on Facebook, on our group. It's called the Traveling Image Makers Corner. And you can find it. Uh, there's a short link. You can just go to our website. You go to ttim.photo slash Facebook, and it will bring you uh, right there. 
Um, and you can also see the, the winning images for this month. I think this is going to be episode 99, if I'm not mistaken. Or so it will be at ttim.photo slash 99. Anyway, uh, let's talk about your uh, your image. Can you describe uh, uh, what is the subject and what were the, the cir circumstances that it was uh, taken? It's funny because um, in Chicago we have this um, couple of um, events during the summer, you know, like this air um, air show where all these planes are flying all over the the city, above the city, above the lake, and I am completely, totally not a fan of any of the shows because everybody's there, everybody mm -hmm. shoots the same style. But this year was different just because I acquired um, X-Pro2 um, and I had a, a lens that I wanted to try with it. And that's the only reason, reason I was out that day. I just thought, okay, let's go away from the crowd. Maybe we'll just walk around. There's nice reflections in those uh, marina uh, where it's still. So I was literally just sitting on the edge and, and waiting for something to happen. So I was clicking bursts as the um, yeah. plane were um, flying by. And... Um, there was one of the lucky shots. So I'll there describe the much Yeah, I'll describe the image for those who are just listening to the to this interview. Uh, it depicts this uh, this marina. There's two rows of uh, sailboats and uh, very calm water reflecting the sky. And then there's this formation of uh, eight uh, airplanes crossing the, across the sky from entering from the right of the frame. And those airplanes have, uh, uh, how can I say, they're flying tilted. I mean, with their uh, wings, which are perpendicular to the ground, not parallel. They are in a, doing some kind of acrobatic maneuver. And, I mean, you, it, it's a perfect shot. And this is why we, we picked it as a winner, because uh, one, you got this... Uh, it's unusual, as you said, all the, the people there probably take the same photos of the planes in the sky and so on. Here you have the, the marina and the boats acting as the foreground, and the planes are, uh, are not the main subject, or maybe they are, but they, are, uh, they don't take up the whole frame. And the other thing is that they are reflected. They, they have this beautiful formation, eight planes, all, all the same but different colors, and they are also reflected in the water. So that that really makes the makes the shot and for people who are really into those things uh, like the rule of thirds they are nicely placed not in the center of the frame but across uh, an edge of it um, I mean closer to, to one of the edges so it's um, it's a very dynamic composition I would say so uh, beautiful image uh, beautiful soft light I don't know what what time of the day was it taken do you remember it was um, sometimes afternoon, probably like mm -hmm. three o'clock, something like that, between three and four. Uh, but all that, um, how can I explain? All that um, exhaust from the airplanes was yeah. like uh, making it look softer than it than it is. All that fog or whatever they, I don't know, is it exhaust or they're just uh, blowing smoke for? Yeah, I think that the blowing smoke for. Yeah, to make it a little bit more dynamic, um, but 
and that was I used, I'm usually a heavy um, editor of my photos, but that photo was just literally that uh, in the um, uh, in the film simulation mode, um, and um, I just did a little bit of contrast and highlights. That that, that was it, but it was really nice. You said you were you said you were trying a new lens. What, what lens is that? Can I? Yeah, I got the Fuji, um, the 35, um, um, 35, that's 23, 1.4 in, in uh, crop sensor terms. So 35 millimeter on the full frame. Uh, so it's, it's a, a really nice. It's a 23 millimeter, it's a focal length. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know? Which is interesting. I mean, um, it, many people would shoot uh, planes in the sky with, uh, with the telephoto. Not with a wide angle or a almost normal focal length. Um, it, it shows in the picture because you, you can see that you have a, a wider angle that allows you to include uh, those boats, which uh, uh, also create nice leading lines towards mm -hmm. the, the main subject, which are which are the planes, if you wish. And uh, having a wider angle helps with that. Uh, probably having a telephoto here would just you would only be able to frame the, the planes and not much of the marina. And I think it would make for a less interesting picture. So, yeah, again, congratulations. Uh, very beautiful picture. Um, well, uh, just to wrap this up, uh, if, uh, if you want to say where people can find more about you online, do you have your own uh, uh, personal website? Where do you publish your, your work most? I, I I'm working on my website because I'm I'm in the in this um, period where I'm like um, just picking up uh, what should I put extra on my website. I'm having problem not narrowing narrowing everything down. But um, I post a lot of 500px. I'm I'm on Instagram with the same name. Um, I post on Google Plus. Uh, I post on Twitter regular regularly. So I'm pretty active on on the all social med, social media platforms, except uh, site is still in the works. That okay. has to be perfect. Isn't uh, everyone constantly working on their website? <laughs> That's uh, yeah. good. So okay, uh, it was really a pleasure to to talk to you today, and I think it will be a pleasure for all of our listeners to be able to. A look at your image that we just described. I don't think I was able to uh, give it justice to this beautiful image. So, for everyone who is listening, just go to our, uh, our website ttim.photo and look for the for this episode. I think this is going to be episode 99. So just search for it, or, and we will see that uh, that photo. With that said. Uh, just want to thank you again for your time today. I'm hoping you will find thank better you. four colors maybe next week <laughs> and you will share them with us maybe for uh, next uh, month's contest yeah. which is still open and it will be open until the uh, end of November. So for everyone who is listening, they want uh, to participate for a chance to be invited on the show and talk about your photography and share your photo with us again go to our Facebook group at ttim.photo slash Facebook and just uh, just join it's free no strings attached uh, you get a chance to showcase your image and be on the show 